0: Now the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. I am your host Ralph Peterson, and my guest should not need any type of an introduction. Not today, anyway, because Ron Segura. Well, my friend. You've been around a long time, right? Seen it Probably all, done one. it all. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. I'm very excited to meet you.
1: Uh, thank you for asking. I'm glad to be here.
0: It's funny, you know, when you're on social media and they can they show you who you're connected to or how many connections you have in common, I think we have close to 500 connections in common. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's that's the janitorial world, though.
0: That is. It's a, it's a very large, small community. Business, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: you can connect the dots always. <laughs> you always
0: I love it. What you're doing. I love it. I think it's super great. I think it's a lot of fun. And when I do find some outliers, people who I don't have a lot of connections with, the one person I'm always connected through is you. You're. It seems that you're connected with everybody in the cleaning business.
1: Well, see if you stay around long enough. That's what happens.
0: I, no question. No question. I hope
1: to have the reach that
0: you have. It's quite impressive. So let's, let's go all the way back. I don't know if you listened to the show before, but I really enjoy the backstory finding out where you came from, where you grew up. So let's start there. Where, where did you grow up?
1: Well, I'm a California native. So uh, early years in uh, Northern California, in Southern California, then uh, moved up, to, parents moved up to Northern, uh, Northern California. Then I went back to Southern California and now I'm back up in Northern California. But you but, stayed in California the whole time. No, we stayed in California. So, <laughs> you know, this is uh, my parents. Uh, I think they're first generation um, from Mexico. And uh, so hard workers. Uh, my grandparents were from Mexico. Uh, migrant farm workers, uh, my parents to a certain point also. So I experienced that a little bit at a, at an early age. And then, uh, during the summers we, uh, or actually it seemed any vacation out of school, uh, I was at some relative's house, uh, and we were picking some type of fruit. So, uh,
0: how, how old were you when you moved north to Northern California? Uh, I think, uh,
1: Probably about uh, let's see the first well I no I guess it was right just before uh, junior high school so um, I was probably about uh, twelve thirteen
0: yeah yeah so you you uh, must have had up. some you must have already had some pretty good friends and establishments you know you, moving at twelve thirteen could be quite challenging
1: yeah it was uh, a little challenging but all our relatives loved, lived up in Northern California. And uh, we—I grew up in uh, East Los Angeles, so there were relatives there. But uh, we were able to to move up, and there was already a big family up here, so that made it a lot easier. A lot of cousins and uh, that type of stuff. But that makes sense. Schools, of course, was always difficult.
0: And so, your both your parents were farmers, or both of them? Well, they were the
1: ages, uh, but they were they were laborers. Uh, my dad worked in a uh, laundry for a long time, and my mother, she worked as a nurse's aide for uh, I think he pretty close to 25 years at the same convalescent hospital. Wow! So, and my dad uh, worked at a laundry for a lot, lot, a lot of years, and then he started driving a, uh, working for a contractor who delivered mail from one post office to the next. Uh, but nice. hard workers very hard workers yeah Both. that's
0: that's pretty impressive i i love that whole first generation story it's 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 not one i can relate to of course but it's it's certainly something that speaks to the the you know what it speaks to? it speaks to the tenacity of the individual right where where you just put your head down and just go to work every day you produce some
1: pretty fantastic results yeah i think it was that generation of person also Mm-hmm. that they, they appreciated uh, providing for the family, and they knew that that was their focus. And and that was their whole concentration was working, coming home, eating, resting, going back to work. Um, and to be in the same job for 25 years, uh, doing the same thing, um, I always thought that was pretty challenging, but... <laughs> But here I am in the same uh, industry <laughs> for over fifty-five years. So I guess, so I guess you- for my parents. At,
0: at this point you're understanding, right? You're like, oh, okay. Understanding, right. yeah. I get it. I get it. So what was it what was it like in high school? What other than you know, just working kind of sounds like working with your family or being dragged to work by your parents sometimes, maybe. What did you do for extra money? Did you have side jobs in high school?
1: Well my my father, for for a little bit, had some bars that he would clean on the weekends. And so I would help him. And uh, he didn't pay. Uh, but <laughs> anything on the floor that you found, you could have. And you know, like a Saturday it. morning or a uh, Sunday morning, there was a lot of uh, things on the floor at a bar. that Sure. Uh, the, so the compensation was good. So it was probably the first incentive-based program in the cleaning industry (laughs) so if you want to look at it that way um that is the best spin ever yeah that was that was really the the way that i got started and then i could always find opportunities doing cleaning or some window washing um but as far as high school uh very inhibited um it was um I, did, I was one of those students that uh, they always said that if you just applied yourself, you could do whatever you wanted to do or you know the old proverbial well you know you don't think this is important, but one day you're going to you're going to need this. And, and I have heard those words over and over in the last 55, 56 years that I've been <laughs> in this business. So I think back about it now and I would have had a lot different approach. Um, but that oh, was the, the lessons was lesson. of
0: time, <laughs> the, the lessons of time and some experience, right? You,
1: yes, very uh-huh. much so.
0: So did you have, did you have, what was it like in high school? Then you said it was a little bit challenging. Did you have, did you have a language barrier at all? Oh no, no it, no, it wasn't
1: the, uh, Probably the lack of uh, interest in, in school, uh, and I did I did okay. I wasn't a, a bad student, uh, but I was a, a an avid reader, and I could take tests. I could I could cram, and I could get enough to to get through. Uh, in fact, I used to, uh, and I don't suggest this, but <laughs> you, know, you tell your kids stories sometimes, and I used to tell them <laughs> when they were in school, uh, unfortunately in their mother's earshot, but. I said, you know what? When I was in school, I never did any homework. <laughs> and I could read and I could pass tests. Well, that came back to haunt me. But, yeah, I bet. I bet. But that's the way it was. I, and, you know, my parents were busy working. And when they got home, they were tired. And so it was up to us. But um, I really appreciated it later on. But fortunately, one of the skills, we didn't have a, a television set in our house for a long time and so we were avid readers and you know when you can read and you can have good comprehension you know that kind of helps you out and and fortunately uh we had that and and that that did help me out but as far as being in school i liked the social aspect with my friends but i was uh, i couldn't uh i couldn't even stand and answer a question in school i was just so so inhibited so shy
0: yeah wow no kidding because you're the opposite of shy now
1: yeah maybe that's uh i don't know if that's good or bad though
0: (laughs) (laughs) what happened what happened after high school so what'd you do when you got out of high school
1: after high school in the 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 year i graduated that summer uh, they had some uh, classes for minorities at the local community college it was a uh, a reading class and a sociology class and it was to kind of get you geared because there were some special programs. This was in the 60s. So there were special programs for some of the some of the universities that you could probably get in, uh, whereas normally you wouldn't, but they would they would allow you to get in. And so one of the preps for that was this summer summer school. Hmm. And, and that was good. And so you know, I decided to go to this community college uh, the first semester. Yeah. And Well, actually, I started, I said, well, I'll go here a couple of years, and then I'll move to college, university. Well, after the first semester, I said, you know what? This isn't for me. <laughs> high <laughs> school wasn't like for school. you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was the extent of, of my education after, or formal education after high school, as I, I went to one semester of community I, college.
0: I really appreciate this story because, of course, and we're going to get to it, you became quite successful despite not having this college degree, which so many people put so much value on. Sometimes it just, it, not, not to diminish it, but it certainly goes to show good hard work, ingenuity, thoughtfulness. You can well, get there. here's what I tell
1: people. Uh, for me, it just wasn't the right thing. But in thinking back, if you look at people that go to college, they are disciplined. I mean, you're disciplined to study. I mean, there's a schedule that you have to do. So everything that I have learned by trial and error in the time, the years that I've been in this industry, I probably could have done it in half the time or even quicker than that. I may not have appreciated it as much, but it definitely, there are definitely advantages to that.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. So college wasn't for you. What was, what was the next thing?
1: Well, I wanted to, you know, it just, I got caught in the uh, you know the the janitorial vortex you know how was, did that happen though how? well there were people, people that I knew that had companies and and so I got involved in then um, so other than after I, I graduated high school in 1968 so from that point on uh, until now there was only one year that I wasn't affiliated with the janitorial industry. It was uh, 72, 73. I worked one year for the JCPenney company selling uh, carpets. And uh, that's where it it kind of gave me a good perspective because I was the first person uh, in our store who ever made commission in the carpet department. Uh, You know, no, it was kind of a filler department they had to have it but nobody ever made any money what what i did and so i really got the bug to sell and and so other than that and so after that uh from there i got my first real uh job in the cleaning industry and that was as a distributor salesperson
0: so hold on just uh just a quick second i i think there's this there's a great piece of there's a great, I mean, I'm going to say there's a great piece of advice, but there's a great piece of wisdom in this and that if we go back to when your dad was cleaning bars yeah. and that was your first hoorah into if you find it, you keep it, but you can't find it and keep it if you don't work first, right? So it's that whole incentive base to mm-hmm. start looking at the floor and picking up stuff because you never know what you're going to sweep up, right? And so right. hopefully you're going to be sweeping up some of those, some of those coins and- yeah. Then you get into the car how, how did you even get the job or why did you take a job selling carpet and a JCPenney?
1: Well, I'd gotten married. And oh, so I well, had to get a go. real job.
0: Yeah, well, all right. I appreciate
1: that. It's <laughs> and funny. that came about and uh, that seemed like seemed like it was a good deal at the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just gonna That's say it's, that
1: happened. it's funny. <laughs>
0: It's funny when you meet people who are not in the cleaning industry and have never been in the cleaning industry, they truly have no idea the amount of opportunity that's out there. Right. They have no, they just look at it. They're like, Oh, you can't make any money in that. You should get yourself a real job. Like, all right, listen, first of all, this is the seventh largest industry in the world. There are billion dollar companies that do nothing, but you, you know, provide cleaning services. It's a big, big business, but that's,
1: yeah. and, I and digress. You, know, you have to understand at that time, uh, At that time, and I would say up until maybe even 20 years ago, 15 years ago, if somebody asks you, you know, hey, what do you do? I say, well, I'm in the cleaning industry. Uh, You don't have to hear what they're thinking inside. You don't have to hear what they would verbalize to somebody. You know they're saying, "Poor Ron, can't do anything else. He has to be a janitor. And that's the way they equate it
0: a million percent. And so now in
1: 1972 uh, you know, it was really bad. (laughs) So
0: a million percent. I, I, I think that's why I embraced the the moniker, the housekeeper. It's why I called my show the housekeeper because I'm the housekeeper because I don't want to shy away from it. I think it's the greatest industry ever. And so I, Rather, I'd rather you think the joke's on me, by the way, it isn't, but you know, a lot of people think it is, you know, that's great. Well,
1: I, I know my, my son worked with me for a little bit and uh, you know, I've been in this business all his life. And so he was maybe 19 um, and he worked together. And it, during that year, he went with me to an ISSA convention. Oh, nice. And, and when he came back, you know, I remember him saying, I didn't realize that the cleaning business was this big. I mean, it was, and he'd been around it all his life, but when he saw all of the booths and all of the uh, the topics that were being spoken of there, it was just uh, a whole different perspective of the cleaning industry.
0: I got to tell you, every time I go there, I'm surprised. It's so massive. It's so great. So you get this job selling carpets and nobody's made commission on it before, but you start hustling and you start talking up the product line and you start actually making sales and actually making some revenue. And you get, I'm using your words here, you get bit by the little sales bug and and something sparks, something ignites you right then. And I think I can totally relate. And let me tell me if I'm talking out of school, but for what it, what it, well, let me just speak for me. What it did to me when I realized that I can sell something, that I'm able to sell something and I have the ability to get paid on it. I just thought to myself, there's nothing I can't do. If, as long as I have the ability to sell, it's like the, it's like literally finding the golden goose. Or the goose that lays the golden yeah. eggs, whatever yeah. it is.
1: Did you have that same yeah, kind of epiphany? Yeah, I mean it's just such a it, it's such an accomplishment. And and I think back, you know, there was a different type of, of sale. But I'll tell you what, what helped me, and this is what I've uh, I, I've always done this all throughout my career, but I guess it really started there. There were about three salesmen because I was in the uh carpet and then there was the furniture department and then there was the uh television and and those things and and each one of those departments there were people there that had been sell- selling product with either J C Penney or uh Sears and and or they'd been in retail I mean these people these guys were sales people uh and it just to see the techniques that they had and how they were able to close a sale and and how they were able to take control. I'll give you an example. There was a man that sold televisions and stereos, and you would think that he would have this tremendous um, presentation, but he would see somebody coming by, and uh, he would say, hello, how are you? Doing well, gonna buy a TV today? You know, yes or no answer? No, no, not going to buy a TV today. If they said yes, he would say, well, what are you looking for? What brand are you looking for? Panasonic? And uh, and, and I used to say, boy, why does he say that? And the, the people would then say, yeah, we're looking for Panasonic. Okay, we got it over here. Or they would say, yeah, we're looking for Sony. So, but just a simple technique. But then once he brought him into his uh His location there, they didn't leave without a television. And he was the number one salesman in the J.C. Penney Company. And then you had a couple of people in the furniture who did the same thing. And then I find out that they had all worked together uh, for years and years. But I learned a lot of technique that how to take control of of a sales uh, process and be knowledgeable and read people. And enjoy it. These guys, they made a sale. They savored it. I mean, and I wanted that same type of feeling. And I'm I'm trying to get these people to buy this carpet, and I can't use the necessarily the same techniques that they do because they can sign them up and they can take it away with them. So and
0: yeah, nobody's walking away with a room to room by no, room carpet.
1: No. Yeah, but I never forgot the approach that they took. They took control of the sale. They were knowledgeable. They were the experts. And I've always, uh, I've, that's the way that I've always approached my business.
0: I love that. I think that is so smart that when you instig- when you initiate any conversation, when you're in a sales position, it's important that you take a leadership role. Yeah. You're the
1: expert. Yeah. And then that's the key. You're the expert. Why shouldn't you take control? Because they're coming to you or in the janitorial business, uh, I say this to contractors all the time, you're the expert. So be prepared and then act like the expert. And there are so many resources now compared to when I first started in the business that I guess that's the reason why I love this business more today than ever because of, of what we have. And we're not, that, we're not just that afterthought anymore. We can actually quantify what we do.
0: A million percent. And we've been able to do that for a long time. I love how much the spotlight is on the cleaning industry now, but we've we've been steadily coming a long way, like every industry over the years. And there's a lot of big companies that we have to thank for it. A lot of a lot of research and development that have gone into the microfiber technology, the the cordless buffer technology, you know, Tenants and Rubbermaid and, you know, all these great companies that have just been helping us move our industry. I mean, there's robotic buffers now. There's, you know, I mean,
1: it's... Yeah, let let me tell you a little story too, because I think that besides all those that you mentioned, there's another group that has really enabled us to raise the professionalism and the, the way that people view people in the cleaning industry. Um, when microfiber first came out, uh, I was at this meeting, and this individual was saying, and he was from Europe, he says, you know what, we have spent years uh, coming up with this process of being able to capture dust rather than spreading it around. Uh, and in this case, we were talking about uh, dusting. And um, so I I listened to him. And and then finally, I I says, look, I just have to share something with you. I says, today, you can walk into any high-rise building or any manufacturing facility, and you will see a janitor cart or a janitor. And what they have is they have a duster. But you'll see that there's something wrapped around that duster. And there's a rubber band usually around that, and they begin to dust. And if you ask them why are you putting that yellow cloth around your feather duster, I says, you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you that this helps me to capture the dust rather than to move it around. I said, so what you've done is tr- is is tremendous, and I think it's you know it's it's the best thing that could have ever happened, but. The janitors that work every day doing the same old thing, they have such a knowledge. And if you really go and examine what they use and how they use it, you're going to find out that, you know, they're pretty, uh, they have a lot of good ideas. And, you know, the now we have vacuums that are really good. But for a lot of years, the, the janitors would always complain about when that cloth bag filled up with air and that puff of smoke came up. And then after uh, maybe half an hour, they'd smell, smell something burning, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, now we're in a situation where we have the proper filtration and it, and it benefits them. So I think you're absolutely right. We've come a long way. And now I think that a lot of the manufacturers uh, are really talking to the people that are actually using the products and getting, uh, getting the feedback. So, which, which is pretty exciting.
0: Million percent, a million percent. I I have changed my share of paper bags in vacuums. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's been a lot of, yeah, a lot of puffs of smoke and dirt and uh, debris going up in the air every time you change one of those things. I agree. It's super great. So you start selling products. What what was your first
1: product line? Who did you well, start working for? I worked for a distributor out of San Francisco. And I was living in, uh, in San Jose, which is about uh, 45 miles south of San Francisco. And I had a territory. It was right before the Silicon Valley started to just explode. But I worked, I took over, uh, uh, I took over a, a territory of an individual that was retiring. And it had never had much growth, but it was a pretty solid territory. And, uh, so I built up that territory and, uh, it was the first time that I'd ever sold, you know, a whole line of, of, of anything. Uh, but the, this was a full line of janitorial products and it was a, you know, ABM used to have, uh, a supply company and that's the company I started with Easter day sanitary supply at a at of San Francisco. And, uh, it was a, um. I think a lot of the things that I did in my first 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years, uh, I look back now and I see all of the things that I learned that I still use today. And it, I remember that I had an interview to meet the sales manager. He was coming down from San Francisco and he was going to, to meet me at the, uh, at the office and showroom in San Jose. And I remember getting there a little bit early and I go into the, into the uh, showroom and I see this, uh, this man coming towards me with this look on his face that, you know, it was just going to maniacal look on his face. And, uh, he reaches out his hand and, and, uh, I said, uh, my name is Ron. And he says, okay, Juan, um, why don't you come over here and sit down? I said, uh, yeah, my name's Ron. He says, yeah, okay, Juan, Uh, sit right down. I'll get you a catalog. And so he got me the catalog and and I'm looking through it. And then he came back and he sat down and he said, okay, Juan, um, what is it that uh, we can do for you today? I says, well, I'm here for an interview. And uh, he says, well, why are you wasting my time if you're here to interview? So lesson number one, was don't assume. Listen carefully to someone if you're selling to somebody, and and so I always I've always thought about that. But then I met with the salesperson, and he says, "Okay, you know, we're going to give you a shot," and uh, and it was it was it was a job where I was going to get a salary, I was going to get benefits, hey. uh, I was going to have a car. Uh, I mean, this was this was a real job. I never had one before, and and I did real well. My mistake there, and I tell this to people that are just starting out, um, and I used to tell this to my kids also, um, on the job, never get involved in the politics of the job. And this is what I meant. This person that kept calling me Juan, he had been in the sales business for a long time, And he was one of those that always found fault in the company. Well, I was, uh, I think I was 23, 24 years old. And I listened to him Mm. pretty soon. And they treated me well and I was doing good. But pretty soon I started to feel like he did. And I landed up leaving the company to go to another company. And it was the worst mistake I ever made. I was going to say, you did to back up you were working for ABM there's a, yeah they're a supply company
0: yeah which is now the largest cleaning company in the United States
1: <laughs> I mean it was a big it was yeah. a big company then you know the supply end but yeah. you know, so that was strike 1
0: <laughs> I I have had I have had that I had that same luckily for me I had that same thing. And the person who was always complaining, everything was stupid. Everything could have been done better and different, whatever. He kind of looked cool to me. And so I kind of wanted to be like him because he sounded cool. He, you know, he was sarcastic and funny. And I had somebody to pull me aside very quickly and say, don't be like him. Yeah. yeah. When, you're, when you're near him, it sounds fun. But when you're not near him, he sounds really bad. And nobody wants to work with him. So I was like, oh, so.
1: Well, it was an interesting, I moved to a smaller company, but while I was with that company and I always made it a point to work with the manufacturer's reps, you know, the manufacturer's reps would always come to the once a month and, you know, some people wouldn't want to work with them, but I would, I would, I wanted to know how they presented the product. Uh, I wanted to learn uh, about the product and I wanted to learn how they conducted themselves as, as a manufacturer's rep. And so I worked for this new company for about six months. And then I got called into the office and they said, look, uh, you've been working with this rep. And this rep was one of the top reps, I would say, in the industry at the time, had all the top lines. He'd like to know if we would be okay with him asking you to go to work for him. And uh, if if you want to. And I said, sure, you know, because we had worked a lot together. And so I went to work for this, this guy. Wow. That was covering all of Northern California and this person, now this was before uh, cell phones, before computers. And so during the training period um, every day, wherever we went, if we were, went into to see somebody and we had to wait, he would pull out a, um, a yellow piece of paper that he had folded. And on there were numbers and notes, and he would contact, he wouldn't waste any time, he would contact these people. And uh, and then he had me also, he says, look, uh, here's a three by five card. Everybody you go see, you write down, not only what you talked about, but anything else that you could use later on, because the idea is to build a relationship. Well, this is the second strike. <laughs> I got to talking to some other people and they says, oh man, you know um, he has you traveling all over the place. you know he has you doing this He has you doing that And before you know it I'm saying you know what you're right and And so I says, look, you know I want to go back to distribution. Well, here's the irony of all of this. Everything that he taught me, in that nine months that I was with him, probably ninety percent of the things he taught me, I use today, and I've used for a while. <laughs> so about five years ago, this was after um, after about thirty-five years, I guess. Uh, I got in touch with him, and we sat down, and uh, and I said, "Look, first of all, I want to apologize to you." I says because you know I wasted your time. And I wasted an opportunity. And secondly, I want to tell you thank you, because all of those things, although you thought that maybe I wasn't listening, I use today. I says you had the best rapport with your customers, and a lot of the things that you talked about. Of course, we have the technology now. I don't have to have that yellow piece of paper, but every morning, I, I contact. You know, I make a lot of contacts in the morning. And the way that he knew his product. And this is what I tell people that have, uh, whether they're contractors or even in-house and how they're dealing with their uh, in-house customers. I says, you have to be the expert. Take advantage of the manufacturers. Be a problem solver. And take the initiative, take control. And they were all based on, on this individual. So... I think if I wouldn't have met with him, I would have still been feeling pretty guilty about that. But uh, so we don't always get those opportunities to thank the people that really have impacted you the most. Uh, But this this is one person that did. And and like I said, I still use many of the well, I have the same philosophy that he had that made him such a great rep.
0: Which is, in a nutshell, to respect your customers enough to befriend them get to know them pay attention
1: and if your customer is your customer then you owe him all the expertise and and all of the respect for his time and you need to you need to go beyond just being a peddler you know a peddler will say here it is here's the price But now if I say, here it is, this is how it could work for you. This is how it can benefit you. uh, That's if we have that ability, then we need to pass that on and we need to. No question.
0: Yeah, no question. That is that is quite a and and I didn't expect anything less. It's quite a journey that you've taken and you've shared some pretty good mistakes. But where tell me about when you got it right right? When you knocked it out of the park, when you,
1: you know, I worked before I went to Disney, I worked in the contracting side and I was always one that liked working and developing people below me. Um, the philosophy replace train, someone to replace you. If they replace you, you just keep rising up higher. Um, so I never got threatened. I never was, uh, Paranoid about somebody taking my spot. And I'd worked with a lot of companies, the larger companies. And, uh, and so I knew that, uh, I guess maybe uh, back in, I think it was back in, in, in 89 or 90, uh, I had went to an ISSA show and I said, you know, I think one day I want to be a consultant. I like that type of, of thing. But then I put it on the back burner. And then in 90, uh, end of 90, I got contacted by Disney and they wanted to know if I would be interested in managing their janitorial department in Burbank, which is the studio and the corporate headquarters. Very cool. And I was ready to make a move because where I was at, I, I couldn't go any further. There was too many layers above me. So I went to work for them. And just to regress a little bit, uh, the frustration that I had on the contracting side was that I always worked for people that weren't, that were not any more qualified than I was. But yet every time that I hit these home runs, they would get the credit. And so I decided, you know, I was tired of that. And so now I came to Disney and I worked for a man. Uh, who would I would put at the very top of all the people that I've ever worked for? I like this. In fact, I told him after the first uh, couple of months, I said, "If you ever go, if you ever leave from here, I'm going to." He says, "I'm going to leave in ten years," and I says, "Okay, I'm going to leave in ten years also." Tell and me
0: what made him.
1: What well, was his here's sticking
0: what, power. Yeah,
1: it, this is what was so good about him. So, I entered into a department that their uh, fiscal year was um, October first to September thirtieth, uh-huh. and so I came in in April. In April, they had already exhausted on their supply budget; they'd exhausted it for the year. Oh no. Um, their labor budget was, was just heading into orbit. So I came in and then there were also some uh, issues, um, racial issues among the crews. And there were just a lot of problems because they hadn't any leadership for a long time. And so I came in and so every day I'd go to him and I'd say, look, here's what I think we should do. And he says, yeah, okay. And, and after a while I says, are you sure you're okay with this? Uh, And he says, look, Ron, here's what happened. I brought you in here because of your expertise and experience. I trust that you know how to do it. If you need my help, I'm here and I'm gonna help you any way I can. But if you feel you can go on your own, hey, do it. But if it blows up in your face, it's on you. I says, well, that's fair enough. I says, I can can work like that. So I was able to implement programs. So we came in at the end of that first year Uh, instead of being over budget, we came in $35,000 under budget. Wow. I go into his office and I say, look, you know, Russell, if I was a contractor and I came in 35,000 under budget, that'd be a pretty good size uh, bonus. (laughs) He says, Ron, I'm going to tell you the real world of of in-house staffs. You come in with 35,000 under budget again. You're never going to get that ever. That's coming out of your budget. You're going to be reduced. He says, that's so right. make sure that you know how to play this game. But he always let me do that. Now, one day, him and I and uh, a couple of contractors were at a, um, it may have been a BOMA meeting or something, and we were all sitting at the same table. And I had worked for these guys before. And and everything that I ever brought to them, they said, no, nah, we can't do it. Nah, that's not going to work. And so one of them says to, uh, to my boss, he says, you know, how come Ron, we're wondering why Ron never brought those types of ideas when he was working with us. And my boss immediately said, because you probably never listened to him. You are probably a little paranoid that, you know, what does he know? I'm his boss. And, and that was it. And that's the type of relationship we had. Uh, And then I started as the manager of janitorial services, and in our group, we had uh, all the facility services. And so I landed up when I left 10 years later, uh, I was the manager of document services, uh, which was, um, I had the micrographics department under me, the records management department under me, and then I had a... uh, Uh, the uh, archive, script archive. So any script, original script from any Disney production would come to us and then we'd copy it and then we'd archive it and send it to an underground facility in uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, then I was also involved in a number of strategic sourcing teams. And uh, so I really had the opportunity because of my boss to extend my area of responsibility outside the janitorial world.
0: I would, I would love to again, just take a step back and, and there's something that was, I think is so rare. It was, it was rare. This is in the nineties you're talking about, right? So I'm, I I know it was rare in the nineties, but it is even more rare today. And that is to find a boss, a manager, an owner, Who is willing to let somebody make mistakes? The cost, the fear of somebody making a mistake has crippled so many industries. So many people. I know, I know people who work, I I work a lot in healthcare. So I do work in a lot of long-term care facilities, nursing homes, senior care facilities. And I know people who are at the top administrators who work themselves. 24 seven for as long as they can until they either get burnt out on their own, or they get fired because they get burnt out because they are so afraid to let anybody make any decision. They have to be the one making every decision and they just limit themselves. And I think that's a huge lesson here. Russell, you said his name was
1: yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Russell wasn't afraid of letting you fail And you know, he said it to you. If it doesn't work, it blows up in your face, not mine. That is that should be celebrated right now. That that's got to. And
1: and and, you know, to it wasn't that uh, he didn't know or have control. Uh, He was very meticulous in hiring anybody. But I think the biggest thing, and, and it's something that I share with with a lot of organizations that are starting to grow. I says, you have to have an infrastructure. If you can promote from within, then you have the buy-in of your management all along the way. If if you're known as a company who gives opportunities to people, uh, you're going to attract good people. And, and it goes back to what I was saying before about the frontline worker and the expertise that they have. Um, and- and if they have the opportunity to grow, then again, you're going to grow. Your organization is going to be solid, um, and I think we're starting to to see that now. This next generation uh, of, well, even now, the third generation that's coming in, I think they're starting to to understand that. Uh, here's what happens in in the older days when somebody started a company, they started because they got tired of working for somebody else and said, I might as well do it myself and their companies grow. Or somebody says or hears that, hey, look, if you know somebody, I have this building uh, that I need someone to clean and they find out how much it is and they try it out. All of a sudden they're hooked and then they grow. But somewhere along the line, their level of expertise, there's very few that have an expertise in both the administrative and management side, as well as the operational side. And what happens is people go right through that stop sign. And before they know it, they've built a company and it gets to a certain level, and then they start to disintegrate. And I think now the, the newer generations uh, have that vision of how to do that, of how to put those things together. I mean, I used to always, well, if I do a presentation, a lot of times I'll close it with this. I'll tell them, I've always felt, and I really do believe this, that we'll know we have arrived as an industry when we ask our children or grandchildren, hey, what do you wanna do when you grow up? And they say, I wanna be in the cleaning business. The day that we don't feel that we have failed because of that answer is the day we'll know we have arrived. And I think we've arrived. I because agree. now You have third generation people. You have people that are lawyers and they come into the cleaning business. You have people that are chemists that are young and they graduate and they come into the cleaning business. So it's, it's a whole different attitude now. So I think that's going to contribute greatly. Agreed. To hopefully to, to development and, and, uh, and and people feeling confident that they can delegate.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I have the, you know, I have the best job ever here being able to be behind the microphone and meeting great people like yourself. And I can't tell you how many people I interview that their parents were cleaners, their parents, even your dad, you were, they were cleaning a, a bar and they, they grew up just, you know, hated it when they were 13, 14, 15, having to help out mom or dad clean houses. But then they find themselves 22, 23. They're like, why am I working for you? I can easily do this myself. And poof, you know, 10 years later, they got 30 staff. They're doing 3 million in sales.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I have to tell you, for, for me, the one position that w- I was the worst, and if it w- if I would have had to have stayed in that position, it would have been disastrous. And that's as a janitor. I respect them so much to, to go into one facility and have a routine and not cut corners and, and not get tired of it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's the respect that I have for them. So if there wasn't sales <laughs> or operations, uh, it would have been doomed for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I understand it's not for everybody, but the industry has, all kinds of room for everybody this industry needs lawyers god don't i know this industry needs accountants this industry needs business managers this, this business you know i mean it, it, this the cleaning business is like any other business it is complex and it can be challenging and difficult it can be extremely rewarding so it's oh,
1: extremely sure n-
0: no different than any others how was how was covid for you how, how was how, how did it, how did your business fare under covid
1: it uh, it took an impact for for a while. Uh, I would say in uh, in May of uh, boy the years went by so quick, but I guess in May of 2020, June of 2020 was the was probably the worst. And so what I did is I had lost a lot of business, you know, regular monthly business. Mm-hmm. So I got. Uh, on LinkedIn and, and usually every day I contact, I try to contact 15 to 20 of my uh, my members. Uh, but this, and and usually at the end of the year, I think the most out of all the people in my LinkedIn network, uh, the most I'd ever reached was probably about 20%. And uh, the past year was probably 58%. Wow. What I was able to do is I was able to build a business, replace the revenue that i had lost with enough business uh, within 45 days uh, that would carry me through until I could get something more solid. And and let me tell you this, it was not necessarily business that I would accept today, uh, but because of the need. Mm -hmm. Then then I did it. So I was able to get through. And then all of a sudden, I started getting calls from risk management people, uh, safety people in the uh, organizations that outsource their janitorial. And they wanted to know um, what's going to happen. What can we do with our outsourced service provider? Um, You know, what happens if we don't get increased budgets? Uh, how are we going to be safe? So I was able to to meet with a lot of them and then in a lot of cases bring in some contractors that they could get firsthand information from. Hmm. It was an interesting it was an interesting time. Um, but I took the initiative and I, I, I tried to be as visible as possible. and for me, my main source uh, of getting new customers is LinkedIn.
0: Same here. Me too. I, I am. I do outreach every day on LinkedIn as well too. I think it's my number one, you know, cause I, I'm a B2B as well. You know, so my, I provide services now, to commercial cleaning companies. And then in,
1: in 2008, uh, December of 2008, uh, I, was, I was at a point where I needed more prospects. Uh, and so I started the janitorial management group. And I think uh, today... I think there's over 14,000 members. Wow. uh, Internationally. And and because of that, I've been able to also have international customers, uh, have an international presence. And then the other thing that I did, Ralph, um, was I started getting, I always get a lot of calls from people that have products to sell. And they see that I have a big network of people. And so they'll call me up and they'll say, hey, look, we got this product. Uh, and what we'd like to do is we'd like to work something out with you if you refer us. And, and I always tell them, I says, look, I don't sell anybody's product. I says, if I like a product, I'll recommend it to somebody. And then it dawned on me one day that, wait a minute, they'd like to get into this market. They got a product, but they can't get into this market. Um, maybe instead of saying, I don't want to work on a referral program, maybe I could say to them, let me help you to market your product and, and get it from, from your office and I could get you in front of people with a good marketing program. Well, I have a lady that uh, does websites and so I do offer that service and branding and logos. And, um, and then I knew another person who, uh, who did um, uh, social media uh, marketing. And we had done work together. And and then I had another lady, when I do my uh, writing of articles, she edits them and she's uh, an author. And so I said, well, that's three components that I have here. So I got them all together on Zoom. And I said, look, here, I have this idea. I said, I can sell your services, but we can sell it as a marketing group. Um, and if you'd like to work out some type of working relationship, I'll sell it under my name, Segura, under the Associates brand. And, I love this. Smart. Now, just let me tell you a real quick way that I got this uh, website lady. I was doing a presentation in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I was at the hotel the day before, and I wanted to get a hard copy of my presentation. Go to the business center. Guy says, okay, come back later in the afternoon. I'll have it for you. Came back later in the afternoon. Uh, he says, First of all, I want to apologize to you. He says, But I didn't lose your your presentation, but my wife does this type of work. She has a marketing company. Um, and she did she redid your proposal, your uh, presentation. I got your presentation, but she redid it. I said, Well, let me look at it. Oh man, it was. It was like a first grader doing a drawing and then an artist and comparing the two. So I used her (laughs) presentation. After my presentation, I went back to the business center. I says, look, does your wife, would she be interested in doing business in the United States? He says, well, she has some customers. So this was three years ago. And we've been working together ever since. Now, here's the interesting thing is, you know, we've done tons of websites and logos and marketing uh, programs. And at the end, I always tell people, I says, I don't know if I've told you this, but you know, the lady that did all of this stuff. Yeah. At that time, she doesn't speak a word of English. She <laughs> speaks perfectly. Wow. <laughs> this is a lot. Well, how does she do it? I said, well, she has an interpreter. And, uh, so and then the latest, the then the next component, Ralph, was to get a marketing strategist into this group, and and I brought in a gentleman by the name of George Lonis and George has worked for all the a lot of the major companies in the in the marketing end. So I brought that, and that started to generate more business. And then the last person or the last thing that I've done recently is I formed another uh, group. Uh, an HR group, human resource group, uh, training and and development of manuals with a lady uh, Angela Gravino, and uh, she has a background in the business, and we've already done I think a couple of projects already. So I always try to to not just stand still, but I listen to some of the needs, and sometimes it takes me longer, but eventually we've been able to pull this together, and it's been very successful.
0: And you're doing it all for cleaning companies.
1: We're doing it all for any 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 segment of the cleaning industry. It could be a manufacturer, Super great. Could be a distributor. Super great. Uh, it could be an in-house. Uh, but right now, and there's that possibility now that we're going to extend ourselves into the facility management part. And we're just putting together a marketing program for Brazil.
0: Wow. That's really impressive. You know, it's, it's a weird, it's not a weird thing. It's just, it's one of those things where, and, and I, I can speak from experience here. I wanted to go into business. I wanted to go on my own. I didn't care what I had to do, how many hours I had to work, how far I had to travel, who, how many people I had to talk to. But the last thing I ever thought about was HR, payroll, marketing, right? Like I'm with you because when you, when (laughs) When you get bit by the bug, you get bit by the bug. And the last thing you, you know, you don't think it all through. You just like, I'll figure it out later. And I'm a big fan of build it now and, you know, sell it now, build it later kind of thing. And so I really appreciate companies like yours that have really started to structure and go, hey, if you need some help with marketing, you need some help with HR, if you need some help with branding, websites, it's really important. It's really great that there are companies that specialize in cleaning like yours.
1: Well, the one thing to always keep in mind, is when you do those types of things, you want to get the best. Now, just like a cleaning company uh, or a, a maintenance company, you know, you there are certain things that you can do and certain things that you can't do, right? So you always wanna outsource it. If you outsource it, you want the best person in there. The other thing is you need to understand, just like in my company too, um, I may be good at selling my company and the services, but maybe there are certain areas of my company and there are where I'm not that good at and so I don't uh, I don't sell it. I don't emphasize it. Uh, these companies that I work with, they are experts at what they do. I mean they just do tremendous work but that doesn't mean that they're the best in marketing or take, they don't have the time to sell their services. And that's where, where I come in and I'll, I'll tell them, look, I, I can sell it. I can get in front of people, uh, but it has to be of the highest quality. And, and that's what we've put together. And it's just, uh, and there are people that have the same, the same focus, wanting to provide satisfaction to the customer. So if you get that right combination, Uh, that's just like a company that decides to go into landscaping, but they don't want to buy all the machines. So I always tell them, just look for somebody that does a good job. More than likely, he's not a good salesman or marketer of his company. That's where you can help him. And that's where the joint venture comes in.
0: Yeah. I like everything about it. How can people get a hold of you? Where do they find you?
1: They can, uh, my website is www.saguraassociates.com. Uh,
0: S-U-T-E-U-R-A.
1: S-U-T-E-U-R-A, associates.com, janitorial management, uh, I'm on there. I have a a LinkedIn page with all of my information on there, or they can uh, always call me, 650-315-8933. And the one thing about me is if somebody calls me, there isn't a meter that goes up right away. (laughs) I always like to, uh, and I only work if, if somebody comes to me and they need something done and, and I don't get a good vibe that they really want to do this, then I'm very upfront with them and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm probably not for you. Um, but anybody, if they got a question or they're in a jam, just give me a call. That's all.
0: I like that. I like that. You know, I like that you only work with people who are out of 10 tent you're like how, how likely are you willing to get started right now you're my customer I like that I, I think that's very smart and you know as you as you get further and further into this there are so many people that we meet who dream big have great ideas and you know don't have a lot of action don't yeah. have a lot of movement and those I agree those aren't the people
1: I want to spend my time with either yeah. It's a it's a good industry, and it's still I tell people today this is still an industry that you may not have a lot of money to start with. You may not have a a full command of the English language. You may have some physical challenges, but you can still start a business and have that opportunity for it to become a million dollar business.
0: No question That's still available. No question. I completely agree. and again, I see it and I hear it over and over again here on the Housekeepers podcast. So it's super great. I agree. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ron. I've been looking forward to meeting you and talking to you and learning about your story. It's pretty great,
1: pretty great. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, and you do a good job.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All I do is sit back here and listen, ask probing questions. I'm a little bit of a a busybody.
1: <laughs> like well, see, nobody ever likes to listen to me, so I always uh, like to see. I always like to give thanks for listening to this old Mexican guy talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> <It> <laughs> thanks for been, the hour of listening.
0: <laughs> it has been it has been my pleasure, sincerely. If you want to get a hold of Ron, if you want to talk shop with Ron, I highly recommend it. All of his links and email and everything's going to be in the show notes. So you'll be able to find all the contact information and you'll get his cell phone number because he gave it. I'm going to give it. (laughs) I'm a big fan of giving you every single possible way to get a hold of me. And it sounds like Ron is the same way. So make sure that you, if you love this show and I'm sure you did, please make sure you're subscribing, make sure you're writing a review, telling everybody about it. And of course, if you want to be on the show, please reach out to me. I'm always interested In learning how people have found their way into this amazing industry. Nobody ever comes here straight and forward. So I'm always interested in cleaning business owners who want to talk shop. So that's it for me. For Ron, I'm Ralph Peterson. This has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. We will see you guys later. That's it, The Housekeeper's Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of The Housekeeper's Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been The Cleanest Hour in Podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.